in this um, talking about the mission and what God has called us to do and what's so crazy with the caution tape and everything is about guarding the evidence and uh, being an eyewitness and last week we talked about uh, witness protection and you know just digging into being uh, we talked about the three Hebrew boys who got put in a fire but yet there was another one in the fire with them through their their, uh, man, what a tragic moment that it could have been. And what was amazing about them, real fast, is uh, two words. Even if. That's it. Even if God does not rescue me, we still won't bow down. These are some teenagers that were just strong. Strong after God. Just, just unshakable. And wouldn't bow. And so in, in this right now, we're going to do a part two to this. I think we're going to fast forward through the Bible just a little bit. And we're going to stay on with, with this group of people. But we're going to talk about Daniel and this witness protection as he gets faced with some lions. Let's go. Oh, hold on. 
You would have just, what's that? But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. Come on. And no error or fault was found in him. When you're faithful, oh my goodness, when you're faithful to a friendship, when you're faithful to a marriage, you're not going to find any fault because you stay faithful. When you're faithful to God, there's not going to be any fault because you're faithful. Faithfulness, I'm telling you, goes a long way. When these guys are trying to trip up a man and they cannot find one thing because he's faithful. If anything, guys, listen, be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to his commands. Be faithful to your friendships. Be faithful to your, your, your marriage. And when you're faithful in all these areas, you will not find, no one will find fault. Because you have stayed faithful. Because in the end, I say it to the teenagers off and on. If you do the right thing, you won't have a mess to clean up. Because you're faithful. But if you do the wrong thing, guess what has to happen? You have to have this conversation, this conversation. You have to clean up this mess, that mess, and that mess. And you're trying to reconnect and trying to rebuild. But if you're just faithful, you won't have a mess to clean up because you're faithful. Oh, go ahead. So it says, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. In the message it says, in verses 4 and 5, it says, the vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him, but they couldn't dig up anything. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligence or misconduct. So they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against this Daniel unless we can cook up something religious. I just thought it was really good for the fact that we've been talking about we are the evidence of, you know, God and who he is and to bring glory to his name and talking about our lives are supposed to be the evidence. And this is proven fact that when you live by God and what he is and bring glory to his name, there will be no evidence of negligence, of, of misconduct in your life. There won't be anything the enemy can do but try to set something up against you that is not true. There's nothing. You, you live out the truth of what it is. Verse 6, it says, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now O king established the injunction and signed the document so that it can't be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he knew he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward J Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea for his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning an injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, the, things, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. 
O king of the injunction you have signed, but makes the petition three times a day. So, real quick. These guys are trying to trip him up. And they call him Daniel <coughs> by what happened to him in his past. Instead of Daniel, the guy that's over a lot of things. Daniel, the guy that's over all kinds of people. Over almost half the kingdom. Not that Daniel, but the Daniel that we got we pulled from Jerusalem. One of the one of the royal boys that we, we captured, Daniel. Not the Daniel that actually is in charge of a lot of your your stuff. See how the enemy wants to try to trip you up real quick? Remember you in your past? Remember that guy, that guy that used to drink a lot, or that guy that always was active, or that girl that... Not, not who you are now, what God's doing. See, the enemy wants to always try to bring up your past. Please, please remind him of his future. He doesn't win. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance be that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it in his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and slept, fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of the lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your king whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples of the nations and languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall, be, shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus and the Persian. This story is so powerful. You talk about witness protection. One thing that stood out to me in this is the people that were surrounded in the, with the king and with Daniel. Daniel wasn't trying to be boastful about what he was doing. He was just doing his job. And he was doing it faithfully. And they caught wind that the king was going to put Daniel in charge of all the other guys. And those guys were mad about that. But here's the craziest part that I want you to realize. Because just like the three Hebrew boys, they didn't bow down to them. The only thing that was bowed down to, just like with what happened with Daniel, was Daniel bowed down to God. 
And he knows what's about to happen. He has a moment to say, I'm not going to pray. Because they knew his pattern. They knew he was faithful to God. And I think the problem we have is so there's not a big consistency in our own personal walk sometimes that we pass up prayer. We pass up reading the word. And I, I say it all the time back there, and I say it up here off and on, is that we do what's important to us. What we find important, we will do. That we do. And so what I love is Daniel had an opportunity to keep being faithful, and he chose to do it. But not only did he choose to do it, it said that his windows were open. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's time for some of y'all to open your windows and let your neighbors know who God is. Let them know who you serve. And there's a lot of times that we close the window and we're so frightened about our, our, our spiritual walk with God. And sometimes some people might not know if we, we love God or if we are considered, like we said, an eyewitness. Could, could somebody point you out and say, yes, yes, that is a Christian. Out of all those people, right, that one right there, that, they're fully devoted to God. They, they truly are a Christian. Yes, I've heard them pray. Yes, I've seen them worship God. Yes, that is a true Christian. See, Daniel had an opportunity to go upstairs and pray and shut his windows in and soften his voice. But see, those guys were already lurking, waiting. They know that he was going to do it. That it wasn't going to shake him. And they couldn't. He did it for 65 years. Yeah. They, they, okay, he, he, didn't, he didn't just like, like start. start. And so like he didn't go and say, well, I'm going to go open up my window and I'm going to show them exactly who I am. No, he stayed steady with what he was doing. I think the problem, Mom, is just like we've seen over last summer and some of the stuff that's been going on in the last few months back, that, you know, when you're telling me I can't pray, well, we're going to start right. Yeah. When you tell me this isn't right, well, we're going to rally up. And we're going to try to do it in the name of And this man didn't try, like, try to, like, let's just rally all the people. And we're going to just pray real loud. And we're going to, what he did was he stayed consistent. It's like, it's not going to shake me. Well, it was a conflict between the, the king's law and God's law. Yeah. There was a conflict. And then it, there was a choice because the, the, the king's law was what they said, the decree. Yeah. But he stayed steady in God's law and didn't move from that law. No, he, he stayed focused, and what I love is he kept his windows open. And so many times, listen, guys, we shut it, we shut our spiritual windows, we shut it all down, and we, we whisper about the things of God, but we're sold out about everything else. Let, I'm going to say something that's probably going to shake somebody up, probably make somebody mad real quick. Why are we so more loud about politics than we are about Jesus Christ? He's life-changing. 
globally changing, world changing, personally changing. And Daniel, he just kept it open. And I don't think he did anything extra loud to say, you know, God. I think it was just the consistency that he always had. And here's the, I'm going to switch up so you guys can get in this. The, the last part about this, this one thing, and I'm going to get into the end of that later, but of the end of the story. What I love, now you got to remember this, Daniel was captive. The three Hebrew boys were captive. They, were, they, they came from Israel. They got destroyed and they were taken. It said that he consistently prayed. And it wasn't that, but, but what it said was that he, he was praising, praising God. Now, thanking God. Now, think about this. If you're captive, most of your prayers are going to be, God, deliver me. God, help me. God, this. And he was just praising God and thanking who God was in the midst of all chaos. It's not all. This isn't his home. Yes, yeah, God might have elevated him with the, with, the royal, with the royal people of that land, but that's not his home. He was taken from his home. But yet he still thought, thank God, and still praise God. See, here's the thing. I think a lot of times when we get into stuff that goes on in our life, and, you know, all hell breaks loose, and things aren't adding up, and whether it's marriage, finance, you know, just, just, just a bunch of things. What, do we, what comes out of our mouth first? What, you can, what God can do to fix you or help you? Or are you just going to thank him? Like, he, it blows my mind to say that his windows were open, and he just thanked God. He praised God. Like, okay, something was about to go down because he's going to die if he chooses to do this. And he's been taken, so this has been going on for a few years now. But he still chose to just continue to be faithful, to continue to thank God, to continue to move forward. If I can help anybody in here, it's time to open windows and start thanking God for what he's doing. Even in the midst of all hell breaking loose around you, that you have a witness protection. You have a protector. Don't be afraid. Don't try to be over the top. Don't try to soapbox it either. Be consistent. Let your consistency show for what it is. That's what happened with, with Daniel. Go. The one thing about that for me is I was right this morning and I just wrote this. We've settled for living in the safe house. Witnesses sometimes get put in safe houses because there's an enemy out there trying to take them out because they don't want the witness to come out. And so Daniel never lived so in the safe good. house. Daniel's like, listen, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you threaten to kill me, throw me in the lion's den. I don't care. I'm going to live the way I'm supposed to live. And it's about that consistency across the board. I think too many Christians today in America live in the safe house. That's why we're more concerned about politics than the kingdom. Okay. Seriously, and that's, that's just reality. I mean, listen to this, man. Daniel goes through this whole process. The things that I pointed out is the Spirit of God was on Daniel. Um, I love what this says. I don't know the translation. It says that he was possessed by an extraordinary spirit. The Holy Spirit is extraordinary. And, and he possessed it with faithfulness, humility, wisdom, understanding, character, and integrity. And Daniel walked in that every day because he had a powerful prayer life. I think the reason that we don't walk the way God intended for us to walk is because we don't have a powerful enough prayer life. We're too busy jockeying for position rather than jockeying for prayer. So good. Mm. 
Yeah. And so, so a few things I wrote is some of it for Daniel was all of this came through the devotion and prayer life of Daniel. Think about this. He prayed three times a day. We can't even pray once. We struggle to get up and pray one time. And if it is, it's uh, a few seconds here, a few seconds there, and then we go on with our life. Maybe we would start seeing things happen in our lives if we spent more time understanding where he was trying to take us. Well, he was praying. Even when they first was captive and, and the three Hebrew boys, remember he said, do this different, the Daniel fast. And, and challenge that and stay consistent. Yeah, and it did. I wrote this, we, when we stop praying, we start striving. That's good. When we stop praying, we start striving. So and I was thinking about this for my personal self. I had to actually look into myself and go, man, how many times have I tried to strive for change, but change never came because I wasn't praying through it? Good. I was trying to position myself through it. I was trying to personally provoke myself to change. And I can't do that on my own. I can't do that. I'm, I'm just letting y'all know right now. Daniel had the ability to walk the way he walked because of his prayer life and his devotion to God and his consistency in spending time with him. Can you say something about that? Yes. I think that in a prayer life, there's times that we're so focused on ourselves. You know, he gave praise and he gave thanks and he gave honor. And I think there's times that we're so focused on ourselves that it's not a prayer. Do you get what I'm saying? Because he postured himself. Three, three Hebrew boys didn't bow. That was a posture that God gave them. Daniel bowed. But that was the posture that God gave him. And I think that God wants to posture us. You know, that we give that thanks and we give it. The whole thing that the men tried to stop was the praise, the prayer, and the thanksgiving. And that's everything that's not us. It's more outward than it is inward. And I think sometimes we get so inward in prayer that we think we pray. Um, and we didn't give any thanks. We didn't say by faith that faithfulness. We didn't say, God, thank you already. God, thank you. You know what I'm saying? So then we get so inward. Then we think we prayed. But then when a storm comes, all of a sudden we're not postured right. And we wonder why, so we try to point at everybody else when in reality, it's us. What, in, in that, what did he have? Accountability. When those three boys were going through stuff, Daniel, he, he holds them accountable. He, he spends time with them, keeps reminding them about who God is and what he's doing, even though that it might look bad right now because you're taken. Even though things... You're still protected. Stay faithful. Keep praying. And I think in some of this, you know, we have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. But look at the people he was around. And they tried to kill him. Well, I think for me, it's, you know, I, I look at his position where he was. And even though he was in a high position, he still made God the priority. Uh, prayer invokes the hand of God to move on our Daniel so understood that. He so understood that, yes, I'm in captivity and there's some things going on, but it doesn't matter what's going on around me, I have to make sure this is good. Because when my relationship with the Father is good, then I know I'm good. Because he prospered 
in everything that he did in captivity. And people saw that. And they're, they're like, listen, we need the king to sign an executive order. About the thing in America. You ready? They needed the king to assign an executive order to stop prayer because they didn't like what Daniel was doing. How many things has the President of the United States signed as an executive order in America and we're sitting here boo-booing about it while Daniel went and prayed about it? Right. Good. Woo. Yeah. Good. Does that you a little bit? Because I'm tired of seeing it on Facebook too. Mm -hmm. A bunch of politicians. Anyway, listen, the reality is this. Uh -oh, is that he began to pray. The king signs an executive order to take prayer out, and these guys understood where to find him three times a day. My question is this, is do people know where to find you three times a day? Or are you so wrapped up in everything else that they don't know where to find you anymore? You're a closet Christian. Hiding yourself. Keeping away from everybody. Like I said earlier, we've, we've settled for living in the safe house. We don't even pray dangerously anymore. Ooh. We don't even ask God to take us and do things with us. We don't even lay on the altar anymore and ask Him to spend us the way He wants. We lay there and ask Him, what, what are you going to spend for me? What are you going to do for me? Daniel said, spend my life. The way you want. Even if they throw me in the lion's den, it doesn't matter. Spend me the way you want to spend me. And if I have to be the witness in front of all these people, then I will. Here's the crazy thing. The king already understood the relationship between God and Daniel. He already understood it. And I think it's because he saw the faithfulness of Daniel and the way that he lived. And because of that, he honored Daniel in it. When he signed that executive order to put that into place, I think he was being manipulated. Like I think some things in America are being manipulated by the enemy. And if we're not careful as the church, we can become manipulated too and fall into a trap. Yes. That we begin to look at things from the naked eye instead of the spiritual eye. That's good. Oh, y'all better hear me because God started speaking to me today about this craziness. We're not careful, we'll fall into a trap, just like this king did. The king understood who God was in Daniel's life. He honored him and, and even said that he's the Lord of all. But he signed this executive order, and the next thing we know, Daniel finds himself praying, and they come after him. And look what happened. When they caught him and brought it to the king's attention, it says that the king was grieved. He was grieved because he was trying to rescue Daniel because this king understood that God was the greatest God of all because he was the only God. I like this too, and it's crazy. The king had to honor the law that was made. But he says to Daniel, I know your God will deliver you. He must have seen some stuff. Maybe three, four to the five. Well, who knows? This is a different king. I know. But you you can't have something that dramatic happen and not hear about it. He had to hear about it. Yeah. Like, hold up. This guy was there with those boys. They all came from this place. Those boys got saved. Yeah. So he said, even Daniel himself, yes. he, he knew. Like, I saw what you did with my, my friends. Yeah. You don't protect me. So he's saying... Your God will protect you through this. He will bring you through this. And here's the cool part for me. 
And this is where I can see things turning in America. Are you hearing me? Because if you think this is weird that we're preaching this kind of stuff, this all goes hand in hand what God is doing in the United States right now. Amen. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is about God and His kingdom, not about who's in office. That's right. It's good. You hear it? So listen, this is so cool. The king says, okay, i got to do what I said I was going to do because I signed that executive order. Made it happen. But he says, Daniel... I know your God's going to deliver you. They put him in the lion's den. The king goes to his chambers and is not entertained by anything. And he decides to fast. Mm. He starts praying. Wow. <laughs> the king went against his own executive order. Good. So good. He went against his own executive order. I'm telling you, when the church begins to pray... The lions in the den, the, the one that's been roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, his mouth is going to be shut by the prayers yeah. and executive orders that have been written across this nation are all of a sudden going to be turned upside down because of the faithfulness of our God and the faithfulness yeah. of his people praying Woo. and crying out for truth. Amen. Yeah. You can just imagine him going to this room. Because these other kings would worship gold and idols and all this other stuff. You know, God, Daniel, if you're real, can you, can you rescue him like I heard about the three voice? What if it was the king's prayers that set him free? That's Just coming from a, a humble state that I don't yes. even really know this God, but I heard stuff about it. And I, and I see how faithful this guy is to that God. Like, listen, the, the only Jesus people might see is what's in your life. Yeah. So your patterns and all the stuff you do. And it might cause them to take a knee themselves, even if they can say, I don't love him, or I'm atheist, I'm this, I'm that. You never know. He didn't make it public. He didn't open and do all this stuff. He'd be in his private time. And it's great because he gets up and he runs. Daniel! Did he save you? And Daniel's like, I probably had the best sleep of my life. <laughs> With all these crazy lions. Probably had the best sleep of my life. Yeah. The angel came and shut the lion's mouth. It shut the lion's mouth. Because then the lion is just, what are they doing now? They're just resting. We're not eating. Just listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, it sets the mood for the room. Everything good. changes. So Absolutely. And he laid there. And he gets out. And the king realizes what has been done. Because at first he was about himself and he got so caught up with the people around him just talking and saying stuff, so he just went with it. He realized that they tricked him on purpose. And he orders those men to be put into that den. Listen, this is what's crazy. And I want you to realize that I'm not trying to say, like, lions are going to get you. But the stuff you decide to do can affect your children, too. It's generational. It's time to break those generational curses off of our lives and our families' lives. Amen. He said that they 
They got thrown in. Their wives got thrown in. Their children got thrown in. Imagine being these wives and kids. And all of a sudden, somebody just goes into your house and starts snatching you up out of it. You're like, what just happened? I don't know the, the affairs of my own my own husband. Why, why am I in trouble for their actions? Because when they talk about the household, they talk about the whole household. It wasn't about one person. It was about your entire home. And the craziest thing, it says before they even got to the bottom of the den, they were already mangled up. Like these, these lions were that hungry. Because, you know, they feed them all up now, just fight over it. And that was their way of, of doing death. In Jerusalem, when Rome took over, the cross was death. Some other places, beheading was death. The rope was death. For them, the lion's den was death. And if the lion's den was in Jerusalem, that would have been death. You wouldn't see a cross on the wall, you would see a lion. I mean, think about it. Christ died a different way. The way he would have died, we would have represented that. Whether he was hung, or whether he died on the cross, or whether he was stoned by rocks, or whatever the case was. That's what, and some people make that shrines, more than the fact that he's not on the cross anymore. This witness protection. He was protected, and here's the craziest thing. They throw him in the den. He gets protected by the lions in the den. And the lions in the den devour the enemy. So there's like twofold protection. Like how God can do whatever he decides he wants to do. And I think it's, as we're faithful, no matter what we face, or no matter if we feel like we're in the, the heart of the den, and, and like this picture is kind of crazy looking, I found this online, and I was like, man, that's a crazy picture. Yeah, it is. Because it's, it's almost creeping from the shadows. And if you feel like you're in a place where you're just like, I just don't even know what to, where I'm looking, I don't know what's going to come in. And I'm telling you, when you are secure in who God is, no matter what place you get placed, you're good. You're safe. You have witness protection. You're with him. And I can probably guarantee one thing that they didn't really talk about. I bet he took a knee one more time and thank God ended it. He's going to be in there and he's like, you delivered me from the dead. Because his consistency didn't stop. Could you in the middle of a lion's den with lions that haven't ate Take a knee and say, thank you, God. I just want to thank you for who you are. I was just thinking about going back to consistency. And the key thing that God continues to speak to me is consistency is key. Um, it's, the, it's the purpose of what takes place. And what's crazy is if you think about it, a witness will only be targeted when the evidence they carry becomes a threat. So Daniel was only targeted because the witness that he held was a threat to the enemy. And he was a target um, after that. And that's why consistency is key. Because Daniel's excellence and consistency in his character became a threat to those around him. 
They couldn't stand it. They didn't like that Daniel was being elevated above who they were. They couldn't handle that a Jewish boy was being put above who they were in their own kingdom that they lived in. They didn't handle it. And because the evidence of who he was and the excellence that he carried in his spirit, not just because of what he did with God was consistent, but who he was in his character was consistent. It became a literal threat to the enemy. The enemy will only come after ones who are consistent. Inconsistency is never a threat to the enemy. It's never a threat to the enemy. And, and, you, and you look at me and, and listen, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't go through things because we go through things. Daniel went and he was still thrown into the lion's den. But the point about it is, is that the enemy literally will come after you more and more over. And you may be trying to fight battles and things going on in your life because the enemy cannot stand your consistency. He doesn't want, he, he doesn't like that you are the one who he can't knock down, who he can't get to bow to his own things, to what he desires. And I look at what the word consistent means, and I meant unchanging in standard, in standard nature or effect, to be in agreement with. And to be in agreement with, Daniel was in agreement with God. He was in agreement with God's standards. He was in agreement with who God was and what God wanted in his life. And if you go look at uh, verse uh, 15, it says, Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes of Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. An inconsistent person, to be inconsistent means lacking agreement from one thing to another, to be erratic, not matching, to be irregular. And isn't it crazy that the agreement of the moment with the inconsistent people try to overtake the consistency of who Daniel was. And that can happen even in your lives. You know, you can have a moment where you break from that moment and do what you want and, and forget about who God is in that single moment. And what happens is that moment of inconsistency can try to come in and manipulate who you really are as a child of God and the consistency in your life. And I believe that God's protection over Daniel was consistent because his relationship with God was consistent. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, but in all honesty, I believe that the only reason that Daniel made it out of there was because he was consistent. Because he chose to follow God no matter what was happening. Just like the Hebrew boys, they were consistent in their stand, and God delivered them. That didn't mean, again, they went and go through a trial, but God delivered them from that trial, from the things that they went through. They still went through it. They still were thrown in the fire, and they were still thrown in the lion's den. And let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were literally put in a place where you were literally to the death facing a, a trouble? To the point that you knew that your life was over. There was nothing else left but that you were just going to stand because the stand was what it was and that's who you were and that's who God was in your life. And I look at one more instance of Daniel. When you go on to chapter 10 of Daniel in verse 11, that's the chapter where Daniel went on the fast for 21 days. And because he had a vision of what God gave him in a dream and it shook him. It literally shook him and he went in and he focused and he prayed and was still consistent in his life after all these things that he went through. And one of the things that struck me is it said, Daniel 
he said, this is in 1011 in the message, the, the angel of the Lord visits Daniel and it says, Daniel, he said, man of quality, listen carefully to my message and get up on your feet, stand at attention, live, live, um, stand at attention. I've been sent to bring you good news. When he had said this, I stood up, but I was still shaking. And what struck me was that the word quality. See, Daniel was consistent and he had a life of quality. Quality is the degree of excellence of something. Daniel lived in excellence, so his quality was pure and true and honest and good, trustworthy. It was notable. It was one to seek after. And I began to think about that in his relationship, and God began to speak to me, and he said, what's the quality of your relationship with me? What's the quality of your relationship with God? Because we want quality without giving him quantity. That's good. You can't have quality without quantity. If you don't give time and effort into a relationship, into the things that you want to have done, you aren't giving quantity to receive the quality that you want in return. And I believe that Daniel, the same thing that he faced as being consistent was because the quality of his relationship with God was proven in the quantity of time that over and 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 over he was consistent in his relationship with God. You want God to give you the highest quality of protection and blessings in your life, but do you give him the same quality and quantity in return? So good. You want him to give you the best things and never face anything that's going on. But what is the quality that you give back to God? What in return deserves for that protection to be placed over you? The more time you spend with him, the more your witness reflects the quality of him. And the greater the ability he has to protect you, the more time you spend with God, the greater the quality of who he is is seen in your life. And I think if we look at the importance, you know, we can say we're struggling. Some of you in here can say, well, I'm struggling in my marriage or I'm struggling in my um, own time personally. I'm struggling in my friendships. I'm struggling in all different kinds of things that are taking place. But let me ask you a question. When you are looking at those relationships or circumstances or you personally, what is the quality and quantity of time that you are giving to God in order for him to be able to place that protection over your life? What are you giving to him? And I think that's the key, especially when it comes to prayer and fasting and seeking after God. We have to know. You know, it's funny that you were talking about threat. I, I wrote this down. Threat provokes attack. When we walk in truth and obedience, Satan sees us as a threat. Are you a threat? Honest. Are you a threat? to the enemy because it, it provokes an attack. And see, sometimes we have all these attacks that are going on in our lives. We provoked it. Good. No, we provoked some things that we've been disobedient about. So all of a sudden, now we have an attack when it's really not an attack that God's using for his good. So we think this is a threat when in reality, we, we've all just done it in our own disobedience. You, you're either going to be obedient or you're going to be disobedient. Welcome in, my good and faithful servant. 
or departing from me, I never knew you. Daniel knew him. And it's interesting. What's meant to devour you will provoke, promote you. What's meant to crush you will crush your enemy. Because it said that all of a sudden, he comes in and there they are. And that he said, now i got to throw them in. And they're going to be crushed to their bones. What's meant to crush you will crush your enemy. See, we think it's a Sunday school little thing that we just went through. Oh, it's a Sunday school class teaching. When in reality, God said he wants to, he wants to show up in some stuff. Real quick, Mom, before you finish. He, he was getting the glory. They knew that yeah. whether they were going to die or not, that God was going to get the glory. They were like the God of Daniel. Couldn't look in your own life and say the God of Josh, the God of Brandon. Like that's the real deal. And, and, and put our name there where Daniel's name was. Yeah. But see, he wants to demonstrate his glory. See, he wants to demonstrate that it's all about him. This was all about God. This was nothing about, yes, Daniel postured himself. Yes, Daniel was faithful. But who's going to shut the lion's mouths? Because it wasn't Daniel that he went and taped them all up and got pop likes duct tape. Gets duct tape and fixes everything and puts it around the mouth of the lion. No, God did that. No, God was in with the three Hebrew boys. God wants to demonstrate himself and his glory. But see, we don't give him a chance to do that. We can posture ourselves, but we don't give him a chance to demonstrate himself. We just think that's a Sunday school class teaching. When in reality, God's trying to say, Can I shut the lion's mouth? Can I shut? You listen too much to the enemy. We listen too much to this right here in our ears. It could be a little thing that was in the past, like Pastor Brandon said. It could be little things that remind you. Isn't it funny how he, Daniel was getting promoted and they scandaled and they turned around. Isn't it funny how your enemy's going to start talking about you because you're a threat? Are you a threat to the enemy? Are you just sitting down with the enemy and get ready to be devoured in things that's not of God? Don't you tell me? Are you postured with the enemy? 
Are you postured with what that person said about you? Are you postured with what that person said that you're going to be for the rest of your life? You ever had somebody that said, oh, you ain't going to be, you're not going to be worth nothing. And you heard it over and over and over, and then you just received that. So you walk in that and say, you know, I'm just nothing. I'm not going to be worth you. But you are. Just worship with you. 